Well, it is Resurrection Sunday, and it is a joy to gather together. Great singing this morning, by the way. I just thought I should point that out. It was very good. I love worshiping with you. You know, as we consider the resurrection of Jesus, and this is our third Easter together as a church, as Grace Bible Church, and every year we have taken this Sunday to focus on various aspects or effects of the resurrection. And of course, this is a crucial component to the gospel, as we are going to see as we move on. But this year, as I was thinking, what do we need to hear? What do I need to hear this Sunday? What do you need to hear this Sunday? And I think what we need right now, after considering, thinking, praying, is we need persevering strength. We need not only hope as some kind of abstract idea, but we need power, strength, to put one foot in front of the other, to keep pressing on, to do what God has called us all to do. Now, there's a variety of things in this room that God has called us to, right? We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same abilities, but we do all have a common calling from God, and that is to walk worthy of his gospel. So, what do you need? You need strength to persevere. The Christian life from start to finish, in some ways, is the same as everyone else's. We experience suffering, loss, hurt, disappointment, frustration, right? Being a Christian does not exempt us from those things, but being a child of God means that we have access to power, not our own, And that comes to us via the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I think that this preserving power, this strength that you and I need, is exactly what Paul had in mind when he wrote 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we're going this morning. And I think that he has in mind this encouragement to Timothy to press on, To fight the good fight, early he uses illustrations of a soldier, of a farmer, of an athlete, and all of them have to do with perseverance, continuing on in the faith. So what you and I need is not just strength for today, but strength that will get us through to glory, to obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And so that's my goal this morning, is to encourage us using the resurrection of Jesus as a motivating factor in our perseverance in the faith, that we would know what God has done through Christ that gives us the strength to press on regardless of where you are. So would you open your Bible with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 13, but we are going to focus specifically on verse 8. Because in verse 8, Paul gives us three reminders of the what, the who, and the how. So that's our outline for this morning. But would you read the word of God with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... In trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, the, the universal need in this room, the thing we all come to you for, is strength. All of us, uh, in some way or another, understand our own limitations, our own weaknesses. Maybe you have reminded us of these things through physical trial. Maybe it's through mental or emotional distress and limitation. Whatever the case, Lord, we all understand that we are weak. And yet, your word tells us that it is precisely in our weakness that you magnify your strength. And so, we don't come today hopelessly weak, but we do come expectantly weak. God, this morning, strengthen us. Show us from your word what it means to persevere so that we make it home. We are on a path. We are on a trajectory to glory. If we are your children, we have a hope and a future. So remind us of that today. Help us, Lord, to grasp the truth of your word and would the truth that Jesus is not dead but is alive motivate us to take that next step, to persevere, to keep going in this life. And God, do the work by your spirit to sustain us, to help us, and to grow us into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. We're here for him. And I pray that in all that is said and done today, Jesus Christ be praised. So we pray in his name. Amen. All right, now as I said, we are going to focus mostly on verse 8 this morning. So I want you to look at verse 8. We're going to see these three reminders that Paul gives us. The what, the who, and the how. So let's start with the first one. What? What are we to do if we want to persevere? If we want to make it through to the end, Paul says we are to remember. Remember. Now the people of God, ourselves included, have a nasty habit of forgetfulness, don't we? It is very easy because of the pace of our life, because of the different activities we're involved in, because of our own sin, we tend to forget the things that we know, the things that we have been taught. We forget the grace of God that rescued us from sin. We forget his goodness and we start to complain that he hasn't done more for us at times. We forget his sustaining love that is available to us through his word, through his spirit, and through his people. Sometimes we forget who we are, that we have been set free from sin. 
We're not a slave to sin anymore. Yes, we still fight against those things, but you do not have to give in. And sometimes we forget that we have been freed from sin and we go back to those behaviors and those habits that pull us away from Christ. Sometimes we forget whose we are. You're not your own. If you belong to Christ, you have been bought with a price. You are a new creation. You are not the old man. You are not the old woman, but you are new in Christ. But we forget and we go back into these detrimental and dangerous ways of living. So therefore, Paul calls us to remember. Call it to mind. Put this in front of you, which leads to the second reminder. What are we to remember? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. You see, Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. David pointed that out in the exhortation. He is the one who gives us the Spirit. He is the one who instructs us through His Word. Christ is the one who sets example for us. And it is Jesus that we are called to imitate, to be like, to be conformed to. And that is the whole process of our Christian life, is becoming like Christ. Therefore... Paul calls us to remember Jesus. But what is it about Christ that we are to remember? What about him should we call to mind when we are tempted to fall away or to not persevere or to give up in our fight of faith? What do we remember? Paul draws special attention to two things. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. He draws attention to the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul wants us to remember the whole Christ. So the phrase here, the offspring of David, refers to the humanity of Jesus, that he came in the line of David. You remember David, the king, king of Israel, second king of Israel, a man after God's own heart? Well, Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, is in the line of David. Jesus comes as a son of David, proving his humanity. He clothed himself in flesh. He set aside his glory and came in the form of man. Do you know why he did that? There's several reasons, and we'll get to some of these. But in Jesus' humanity, he experiences everything you experience. He is hungry. He gets tired from long journey. He gets frustrated with the stubbornness of the hearts of those around him, not in a sinful way. He's thirsty. He's tempted. All of the things that we experience as human beings, Jesus experiences as the offspring of David, as a man. He takes on humanity. But there's a really big reason why he does this. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2. By the way, if you want to know about Jesus, you need to know Hebrews. This is the book on the doctrine of Christ. Hebrews 2, 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, this is Christ, 
He himself partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. That is, he had to become a man so that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a wrath-satisfying sacrifice for the sins of his people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is not some removed, foreign God that has no idea what you are going through. He experienced everything you experience so that he can uniquely step right in next to you. Loss, sickness, disappointment, frustration, sorrow, death, all of those things Christ knows because he is the offspring of David. Remember the humanity of Jesus. When we are tempted, and I'm just going to hammer this home because I think it's It's probably one of the most important aspects of the humanity of Jesus. When we are tempted, and I don't just mean we we associate temptation oftentimes with physical or sexual temptation. That's definitely a part of it. But anytime you are tempted to stray, to wander, to doubt, to forget, we remember Jesus, that he felt everything you feel and to a greater extent And he is able to come into the road right next to you and say, I know, I know what you're experiencing. Let me help you. And he can meet you in unique ways because of his humanity. But Paul also tells Timothy to remember the deity or the divinity of Jesus, the fact that he is God. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Now it is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that proves out his divinity, right? This is the thing that separates Jesus' resurrection from all of the other resurrections that we read about in the Bible. There's a few, right? The Old Testament, we see a resurrection there with the widow's son. Again, in the New Testament, Lazarus is raised from the dead, right? The widow's son is raised from the dead. But Jesus' resurrection is unlike those in the sense that he will never die again. All of these others that I just mentioned eventually died, but not Jesus. His resurrection proves that he is God. We just read this at the opening of the service from Romans 6, verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Do you know why that's such good news for you right now? Three words. Union with Christ. What is true of Jesus is true of you if you are united to him by faith. That's just another way of saying if you belong to him. So, Listen to those words again. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. That is true for you if you are united to Jesus. And that is why the resurrection of Christ from the dead is so important for us to remember. Because you are bound up in his resurrection. Your future is not 
hopeless if you are in Christ. Your eternal state is not a question mark if you are in Christ. Jesus is never going to die again, and neither will you if you trust in him. Remember the divinity, the godness of Jesus. By saying Jesus is risen from the dead, Paul not only affirms his person, right? He's not only saying this Jesus is human and divine, but he is affirming his work of Christ living for our righteousness, dying for the forgiveness of our sins, being raised from the dead to secure our eternal life and to prove out the deity of Christ. There is so much tied up in this. Romans 1, Paul says it very similarly in the beginning of the book. He's talking about himself being a servant of God and of Christ Jesus and of the gospel that God had promised for ages beforehand. And he says that this gospel is concerning God's Son, who was descended from David, this is verse 3, according to the flesh, so he's, he's talking about the humanity of Christ, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. How does this happen? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. In other words, remember that he is God. I don't know if you were able to attend the Bible conference that we did a few weeks ago, but the theme of that whole morning was the doctrine of Christ, and we spent time looking at both the humanity and the deity of Jesus, the fact that he is both God and man. Now, why would a church take an entire morning to talk about that, and why would Paul, in an effort to encourage Timothy to persevere and press on out of All the things that he could have said about Christ, why does he draw attention to the humanity and the deity of Jesus? Here's why. Because we have to have both these things. If Jesus is only man, he cannot atone for sin. This is the shortcoming of every other way of looking at Jesus Christ. The Jehovah's Witness way, the Mormon way, the Aryan way of saying, no, he wasn't God then what do we do with sin? Man cannot satisfy the wrath of God against sin. Only God can satisfy God's wrath against sin. Therefore, Jesus is God. However, if he is only God and he is not man, he can't die. You can't kill God. There would be no sacrifice for sin. There would be no shedding of blood. There would be no remission for sin. And he would have no relatability to us. If all we have is a picture of an exalted and removed deity of a powerful, omniscient God who has no idea what your life is like, how does that comfort you? How does that get you through trial? How does that make you persevere in the faith? Jesus Christ must be fully God and fully man to accomplish the redemption that God had covenanted to do. So in his wisdom, Christ comes, son of God, descendant of David, proving both his humanity and his deity. And Paul is telling Timothy, and by us as extensions of this, if you want to persevere, remember Jesus, fully God, risen from the dead, fully man, offspring of David. He is able to forgive your sin, and he is able to relate to you in a meaningful way. Remember him. Now, 
This brings us to our last reminder. How do we do this? Do you write it down or tape it to your glasses? Or what's, what's the deal? How do we remember Jesus Christ? Look again at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. There it is. How do we remember Jesus? By knowing and understanding and living and loving the gospel of God. That's how we remember him, by rehearsing the gospel. Now, we talk a lot about the gospel, right? And we should. But the danger in familiarity is that it kind of loses its effect, right? Oh, everything's gospel. We have a gospel-centered this. We have a gospel-centered nursery. We have a gospel-centered food drive, whatever. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not poo-pooing that, right? But the temptation is to use the word and have no idea what it means. So do you understand what the gospel is? Do you know what is wrapped up in what Paul is saying, the preaching of his gospel? What is that? There's a lot of good definitions. I'm sure you've heard some of them. Using our context, I'm going to say that first, the gospel is inseparable from Jesus Christ. You cannot talk about the gospel without talking about Jesus. You cannot present the gospel without presenting Jesus. It is his gospel. It is the good news that he has come and stood in your place so that you can be forgiven before the Father. It is inseparable from Jesus Christ. And of course, we start talking Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Well, you have to back up from the resurrection and talk about his life, his incarnation, his coming, his ministry, his miracles. You can't have a resurrection from the dead without a death. Therefore, you have to preach the whole Christ, living for our righteousness, dying for our salvation, raised by the glory of the Father to establish and secure eternal life for all his people. It is inseparable from the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, the gospel also tells us of our own sinfulness, our inadequacy. The fact that we do not and cannot please God on our own. The gospel does not bring a message that says, if you will simply clean it up a little bit, you're at a seven or eight, you need to blow past that ten mark, then God will accept you. No, no. No, the gospel tells us of our inability. It does not matter how good you are or how bad you aren't. All of us fall short before God. And in his grace, the preaching of the gospel has to include man's inability to please God. Third, the gospel tells us of the work of Christ. So I already said it's inseparable from him. But we have to not only mention that it's the gospel of Christ, but articulate that it is Jesus' work his sacrifice, and the gospel tells us that if we respond to this message, if we confess our sins, repent, turn away from them, that God will forgive us of our sin. All of the things, oh my goodness, think of what's in your mind right now. What you know about yourself, the sin that you have committed, the betrayal that you have done against God and your fellow man, think of that, and then think Christ takes it. Oh, man, this is good news. This is the gospel of Jesus. It is his work. It is our inability. It is our responding in faith and trusting in him to wash away all of these sins 
It is the message that Paul was willing to endure everything for. Look at verse 10 of 2 Timothy 2. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, when Paul says salvation in verse 10, he does not mean conversion. That's an implication, right? The gospel is necessary for conversion, for being saved initially, the work of regeneration. But what he is talking about in the context here with this persevering strength is how are you going to make it to there, to the end, to glory, to the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. It is through the gospel. Do you see the implication of this? That it is not only necessary that we understand the gospel, as Paul says, is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, but we also understand it as the preserving power of God. You never graduate from the truth of the gospel. We don't receive the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus and then say, well, I'm done with that. Whew, that was close. No. You continually feed on it. You continually remind yourself, or to use Paul's words, we continually remember Jesus Christ. We never move on from the gospel. We need it from start to finish. Paul's making a connection between his preaching of the gospel and the perseverance of the Christian. So I just encourage you, don't leave it. Don't move on from the gospel. Don't assume that you have graduated in some way and do not need the elemental teachings of the scriptures. We do. We need to be reminded. Therefore, Paul says, remember Jesus. So he endures. Paul presses on, preaches the gospel, endures all things because the person and work of Jesus Christ motivates him to do that. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great connection? Paul does not see any separation. It is gospel from beginning to end. So this Easter morning, I want to remind you that your perseverance in the faith, your making it through to glory is inseparable from Jesus Christ. If he's not raised, you're hopeless. Paul says that, 1 Corinthians 15. But then he follows up and says, but Jesus has been raised. Therefore, our future is not hopeless. It's not a question mark. It's not unknown to the Christian. And if you are struggling with just putting one foot in front of the other, and I don't know how I can keep going, and you don't know what's happened to me in the last week or month or year, the pain and the loss and the suffering, Christ knows that because he suffered. And he is next to you. And because he is not only man, but he is God, raised from the dead, oh, he can provide you with everything you need to keep going. And that's what we need. We need strength for today, hope for tomorrow. And I'm telling you, it is all in Christ and in his gospel. So brothers and sisters, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, fully God, offspring of David, fully man, as preached in the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. What a great reminder, Father, that you have built into your word. Today we celebrate 
the resurrection of Jesus, your son, from the dead. But don't let us disconnect that from the reality of our present need and how you meet those needs because Jesus is raised from the dead. So as we struggle, as we are tempted to fail, as we are tempted to despair and to not know what to do, God, help us to turn our eyes to Christ that we would remember Jesus Christ, that you did not allow him to stay dead, but as a sign of your good pleasure, you raised him from the dead. And that is why we are here today. We do not serve a dead God, but we have a living Savior who's in the world today. And so God, remind us of this. Help us to go from here rejoicing that we do not have to drum up our own strength, but that you provide it to us in Christ. So for every heart here, Lord, whether they are far from you or near to you, convict us of the importance of this. And would we all remember Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.